All right. Good morning. Good morning. How's everybody today? Oh, good. You're lively and excited, and that's, uh, that's half of a good sermon, right? If you're awake, it makes the sermon better. That was supposed to be funny. Give me a courtesy laugh. Everybody give me a little courtesy laugh. That was the worst courtesy laugh I've ever heard in my life. Um, we're in a series called God and Business, and I'm going to say something that might seem like I'm overstating what's going to happen in this series in your life, but I really believe it. If you can just, just grab hold of the teachings that we're giving you in this God and Business series, it literally can change your, your financial future, your success, the way you look at life, the way you look at God. But you have to listen with an ear to hear and apply it to your life. Can you do that? All right? Give that a shot, and you'll be surprised what's going to happen because every problem that you face in life is ultimately a wisdom problem. Now let that sink in a minute. Every problem you face is ultimately a wisdom problem. If you're facing a financial issue, it is a wisdom problem, not a financial problem. If you're facing a physical problem, it is ultimately a wisdom problem. Let me tell you how that works. It's either a lack of wisdom on you knowing the direction to go to solve that problem, or it's not finding the right physician who knows how to apply the right thing. Financially, it's a wisdom problem because you may look, be looking at life the way you've always looked at life, and you can't get out of that because it's a wisdom problem. You got this? So the entire book of Proverbs deals with this matter of wisdom. And it says, whatever you do, get wisdom. And wisdom is personified in Scripture in order for us to understand that we must relate to wisdom, we must talk to wisdom, we must listen to wisdom, we must let our life be all about the wisdom of God. Now you can get knowledge, and knowledge comes from facts, you can get understanding based on those facts, and that's a separation arrangement of that knowledge. But until you have wisdom, all the knowledge and all the understanding do not bring you what you need in life. All right, now let me give you another thought. Here's this one. When your heart decides the destination, your mind will design the map to reach it. So what happens is you, you begin in your heart to say, where do I want to go in life? And once you do that with your heart, which is your mental, emotional, and spiritual dimension of your life, all of a sudden, once you go there, your map, your mind will begin to draw the map so that you know how to get from point A to point B. But you have to start with this thing in your heart. What is it that God wants me to do? What is it that I want to do in life? What would be the thing that would be most fulfilling in my life if I could do that one thing? Now, immediately what will happen is you'll get the little voice that says, yeah, but you can't do that. Yeah, but you don't have the resources. Yeah, but you don't have the knowledge. Yeah, but you don't have the connections. Yeah, but you've never been lucky. Ignore that voice. That voice is always there. It doesn't deserve your attention. The voice that deserves your attention is the voice of God and the way that God speaks to your spirit in order to move you in the direction you want to be. 
So what you're going to do is you're going to say, God, I want you to, to just put in my heart the desire of my heart, let it come to, let it crystallize, and then, God, let my mind begin to map that course. You see, once you get started, that song, Move, that we sang earlier, once you start moving in the right direction, God starts answering those questions and answering those prayers. But if you step back and said, I'm just waiting on God, what that means is God says, no, I'm waiting on you. When you wait on God, you are diligent before God not inactive before God. Here's another thing. What you respect, you will attract. If you respect integrity, you will be attracted to integrity and it will attract itself to you. If you respect uh, diligence, diligence will be attracted to you. If you respect hard work, people who love hard work will be attracted to you and people who are lazy will be repelled by you. You'll hear people say, why are you working all the time? Why are you doing this? Why? Wait a minute, wait a minute. What are you doing with what you have in your life and in your time? Last time I looked, God said, six days shall you labor, and on the seventh shall you rest, and we're trying to get a three-day work week. Hey, God said it took me six days. Why are you getting up a break? Think about it. God wants us to find purpose and meaning in our work so that we get the, the benefit of that, and that is we feel fulfilled in our life. We actually make our world better, and we make the world around us a better place because we found that thing that's in our heart. Here's another one. The secret to your future is hidden in your daily agenda. What are you doing every day? Look at your life and say, what is my daily agenda? Is it moving me in the direction of where I want to be in my future, or am I going through this routine that's going nowhere? Your daily routine is going to make all the difference in the world. If you change it just a little bit, just tweak it a little bit, you'll be surprised what it'll do. For example, if you say, I'm gonna get up 15 minutes earlier, and in that 15 minutes, I'm gonna look at my day, and I'm gonna say, what is the objective of my day? That's all you have to do and you write down what is the objective of that day. What do I want to accomplish because I'm doing this day? Instead of saying, I got so much stuff going on today, I'm so busy, I don't know what I'm gonna do, I'll be glad to get it over with. You see how that perspective changes? Now I look at every meeting and I say, what do I want to get out of this meeting? Not, I want to get out of this meeting. You see the difference? What do I want to get out of this meeting? And you write down, if I'm going to make a phone call, what do I want to accomplish on this phone call? And write it down. You say, I just want to accomplish this. I want to accomplish this. Okay, now you know where you're going. Now you're living your life on purpose with objective, and you're moving in the direction that God wants you to move in. So today we're going to talk from uh, Matthew chapter 25, and it's a parable of the talents. And I want to begin by just introducing you to the law of increase. The law of increase goes like this. He's got, uh, the, the, the main character in the story is God, and he's not represented as father or savior or Messiah. He's represented as a businessman. And he's got some servants, and he's gonna go away for a long time. Before he does, he's going to entrust to them uh, certain talents, and talents are actually gold. And so if they're one, he's gonna give five talents of gold. In today's money, that's $3 million dollars. How'd you like to have a boss go away and say, hey, here's, here's $3 million, and while I'm gone, 
do well. Right? In other words, you get you got two talents, just do the math, do one talent, do the math, and you figure out how much he was really entrusting to his servants. So let's look at the story. Matthew chapter 25, you have your Bibles, let's look together. For the kingdom of heaven is like, isn't it interesting? It's like a man traveling to a far country. What's the kingdom of heaven like? When you think of kingdom of heaven, what do you think about? I don't know, uh, angels flying around, seraphim, and I, I see God on the throne, and I see all this kind of stool, cool stuff going on, but that's not what it says. The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country. Okay, you got it? This is the kingdom of heaven. Who called his servants, and he delivered his goods to them. So God, the businessman in the story, calls us to him. He says, some of you have five talents, some of you have two, and some of you have one talent. And I'm gonna go away, and while I'm gone, I want you to do what I would do. I want you to make a profit in your life. I want you to find fulfillment in your life. I want you to be on purpose in your life. I want you to thrive and not survive. What would God do in this situation? And that's the question. This is the kingdom of heaven. Now watch what happens. To one, he gave five talents. To another, two. To another, one. Now, the mindset of the person with one is typically like this. How come he got five? How come he got two? Why don't we all just divide up the pot and get equal? Because God is not a socialist. There is unmerited grace, but never unmerited rewards. God will give you unmerited grace. He will love you all the time, and you don't have to do anything to deserve it, but he will never reward you unless it's merited. This is a major thing in Scripture. Every promise of God is unconditional or is a conditional promise. There is a condition attached to every promise of God. You won't find one promise that doesn't have a condition. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. There's the condition. And all these things shall be added unto you. Delight yourself in the Lord. Here's the condition. That's the condition. And, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And on and on it goes. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. Here's the promise. You will be saved. Every promise of God is conditional. When you begin to enter in, it's a covenant relationship. You go, God, you said if I will, you will. So I'm going to say I will, and now you're obligated. It's a contract that's built, made stronger with a covenant sealed in the blood of Christ. It's so powerful. So he says, all right, five talents, two talents, one talent, each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. He didn't wait around to see what they were going to do. He said, I've entrusted you with a talent. What will you do with your five, your two, or your one? And the question comes to us. This is what the kingdom of God is like. What are you doing with your five, your two, or your one? You say, well, I'm more worried whether I have one, two, or five. Don't worry about it. What do you have, and what are you doing with what you have? Is what you, you have and been given by God, are you using it to extend the, the kingdom of God, are you using it 
to bless your family? Are you using it to bless mankind? What are you doing with what you got? Now, let me show you a couple of things. God has already given you everything you need in life to succeed. You'll say, well, if I just had more money, if I just had more luck, if I just had more friends, if I just had more time. No, no, no. God has given you everything. Do you realize that you are a magnificent creation of God? You have this great mind. Well, some of you may not, but no, I'm just kidding. No, you have a great mind, right? You have great ability. You have all this stuff entrusted to you. What are you doing with it? And we find so many ways to try to excuse off our life. You know, one of the favorite things I do is when I go into to, to Jamba Juice and into a coffee shop, anything else, I always ask them, how are you doing? And I always get almost the same response from every person behind the counter. You know what it is? Okay under the circumstances. They got so much drama in their life. You know, they're 17. And I always say the same thing. I say, listen, you appear to be alive. Have you checked your pulse lately? And they kind of smile a little bit. And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm alive. But I had to come in early to work. What, did they pay you? Are they paying you? Or are they forcing you to come here without pay? No, 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 they give me a paycheck. Okay. So you're alive and you have a paycheck. You look like a reasonably nice person. You have any friends? Oh, yeah, I got some friends. So you have friends, and you have a paycheck, and you're alive. How are you doing now? I'm doing a lot better. <laughs> you know, if you stop and do a little inventory, instead of finding out what you don't have, what do you have, and start moving in the direction of the giftedness that God has given you, you'll begin to see what God can do in your life. Amen? I mean, God wants to do a lot more than he's doing. Let's just let him do it. Quit finding a way to get out of who you are. All right, here's another one. Your desires are more motivating than your needs. I need this, I need this. Do you really? Is there anything you really need that you don't have? Probably not, but your desires, there's a ton of desires you don't have. What if you said, I want to move in the direction of those desires. They're God-honoring. They're, they're mankind blessing. They're personally fulfilling in my life. What are those desires? What is the one thing you say, if I could do that, and remember, ignore that little voice that says, oh, you can't do that. Ignore that voice. What is the one thing you say, if I could do that with my life, that would be the most amazing thing I could ever do with my life, go in that direction. That's motivating. Then you tell people, what are you going to do? I'm going to do this. How are you going to do that? I don't know. You don't have to know how, but you have to start moving in the direction of the desires of your heart. Because to not move or to think it's just going to automatically drop out of the air to you is silly. It just doesn't work. I wish it did. Like, you know, I need new tires. I've never had new tires drop from the ceiling. <laughs> Boom, God just delivered a couple of new Pirelli tires. This is awesome. No, that doesn't happen. Sometimes God moves people to give you tires. Sometimes you find a great deal. I remember one time I, w I entered a contest, and I won one tire. <laughs> there were two tires, and they divided them up, and so I won one tire. And it was to an off-road vehicle, which I did not have. Now what do I do with one tire? This is the worst raffle I've ever been a part of in my life. 
one tire. I went over, I found the guy that had won the other tire. And I said, you won one tire and I won one tire. Do you want to buy a car together? He kind of laughed and I said, do you have something for this? He said, I, I do. And I said, take my tire. I gave him the tire. Did I miss anything? No, I can't use the tire. Did I gain anything? Yes, it's still paying dividends. You all said, oh. Why? You see, you got to look and say, okay, if, if it's not for me, it's for somebody, let me bless. You said, well, you could have got on Craigslist and sold it. Why would I do that? What do I get? Who wants one tire? <laughs> Take what you have and be a blessing. Use your talent to bless someone else as well. Amen? And guess what? And leave the results to God. When you sow, God's always, you're always going to reap. You don't know where it's coming from, how it's coming, whatever's going to happen, it's going to reap. Just let God be in charge of it. Here's another thing. Maximize your time on earth for the kingdom. You only got one life on this earth. How are you doing with it? Everybody always thinks, well, I got tomorrow, I got tomorrow. You don't know if you have tomorrow, and even if you do, time goes pretty fast. I mean, it's almost March. Has this hit you yet? This is March, almost March 2020. A year ago, a year ago, it's nothing. A year is nothing. It's 52 trips with my trash cans out in front of my house. It feels like there's three days between every trash day. I don't know what's going on in my life. Right? What are you doing with what you have? You got today, you got now. What are you doing with what you have? What are you doing with now? Use it. Use it wisely because you don't know how long you got. Let me show you the next law, the law of the vital few. We know that there's something very interesting about how a few people can accomplish so much and then there's a lot of people that can accomplish so little. Do we know what we're talking about here? You might work with one of those people. You go, how is it that I get so much done and they can't get anything done? Anybody notice this phenomena? You, you, don't, you don't have to raise your hand and, and just go on record because you might be sitting next to that person. <laughs> but let me show you what the Scripture says. Matthew 25. Then he who had received five talents went and traded them and made another five talents. Okay, so let's just put this up here so we can do the math. Okay, so the guy with five, how many more did he get? Five. So he has now how many? Look at these math students here. All right. Okay, the next one. All right. What is this? And likewise, who had received two gained two more. So two, another two equals four. Hey, we're doing pretty good. We know the last guy got one. Let's see how he did with what he had. And it says, and the one who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. Now, years ago, we went down to Cancun and, and uh, enjoyed a little time together. My wife and I were in a little Volkswagen, and we went over to the movie theater in downtown Cancun, and they were showing at the time the Three Musketeers. And uh, we're sitting there, and all of a sudden, every time the villain came on the screen, everybody in that theater would take their popcorn and throw it at the screen and boo the villain. I'm going, I love this place. This is amazing. <laughs> boo, and they'd throw the popcorn. And then about halfway through the movie, it wasn't digital. It was the old film thing. You hear the film just kind of come to a stop. <laughs> 
And I'm thinking, oh no, the film broke. What's going on? And then, but nobody seemed to react. Everybody jumped up and they went back to the concession stand to get more popcorn to throw at the villain. That was intermission. And I watched that and I thought, this movie has got it figured out. There's only so much popcorn you can eat, but there is an unlimited amount of popcorn you can throw at the bad guy. And I watched this, and it, it made the movie so much fun. So when we come to the guy with one talent, he's like the villain in the story. So one guy showed up, and he dug his and put it in the ground, so he's got nothing to show for himself. So he gets how many? One. Can you all just boo the villain? Boo. He dug it put it in the ground, right? If you had popcorn, you could throw popcorn. We're not going to do that, but it's a good idea. Okay, so now we've got this guy doubled, this guy doubled, this guy wasted. He didn't just save the money. He lost money because he could have put it in the bank and got an interest on it, right? What are you doing with your talent? Have you put it in the ground? Or is it multiplying? Your life should double. How about that? You should double your life and your influence, your impact in, in this world. All right, so let's see what happens here. I'm going to show you a diagram here, the 80-20 rule. Some of you have heard of it. It's a, a rule of economics, and it was developed uh, uh, by a German economist, and it was later followed up with uh, called the 80-20 rule and then our principle, and then the, the rule of the vital few. Um, but anyway, here's how it works. 20% of your effort will bring about 80% of the result in your life. 80% of your effort will be 20% of the result. So what happens is that if you take your life and you distilled it down and said, what all do I do? 20% of your effort is gonna end up having 80% result. So when you put it down into life, let's just say you have a company with um, 100 people in it. And out of that 100 people, 20% of that workforce will produce 80% of the return for that company. Seem hard to believe? Really true. Pretty amazing. If we take and say, if we took everybody that attends Influence Church in a given year, 20% of the people who attend are doing 80% of the work. Boo. Right? Popcorn moment. Why would I do that? Why would I not? I think everybody wants to be the 20% people, don't you? I want to be 20%. How about this? All the, all the money that's given to this church, 20% of the people in this church give 80% all the money that comes in. It's actually 23%. It's almost 20. But I want to be there in the 20%. What did they figure out with their 20 that's working for them so well and I can't do it with, and I can't even give anything and I'm not working well because they understand the law of the kingdom. They understand how the kingdom of heaven works. Remember, this is all about how does the kingdom work. So I wanna give you three key areas in your life. If you begin to apply this rule, because it works in every dimension of your life, you're going to see some crazy good results. Here's the first one, work and success. If you look at what you're doing on your job at school and ask yourself, what's the 20% that's really got the big payoff going in my life? You can, take, you can take this and work it all through Scripture. You can take 12 apostles, run the numbers. You have Peter, James, and John. Those are the three guys that you hear everything about, and they're not, it's not quite 20%, but it's pretty close. They're changing the world. 
What happened to those other eight guys? You never hear about them. They were along for the ride. Good guys, loved God, followed Jesus, but they weren't changing the world. Do you want to be a world changer or do you want to see the world change around you? World changer? Or see the world change around you. Some people are just content. God, I'm content to do anything. I just want to survive. I just want to eat and sleep, and I want to go out on a, a date once in a while. I want to go on a vacation once in a while, and I'm content. If that's contentment, you're probably going to fall into the one talent, and you're going to bury everything you have, and you're going to miss out on the marvelous things that God wants to do in and through your life. If you wake up and go, you know what? I am a five-talent person. I don't even know what that means, but I'm going to start living like a five-talent person. I'm going to see myself as a five-talent person. I'm going to speak like a five-talent person. I'm going to work like a five-talent person. When I, uh, before Tammy and I got married, I, I was working, I always, uh, I worked construction in order to, to pay for my college, and, and I poured concrete, and it's, it's difficult work. It's, it's uh, I guarantee you, it was difficult work, and, and so, but this summer was really special. Because now I'm getting married. I've graduated from college. I got this summer before I start graduate school, and, uh, and I got to work hard. I got to make enough money for a ring. And it seemed like a lot, and the ring seemed like the diamond seemed this big. You know, with a good microscope, you could have seen it. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but I had to work. I had to make money, right? So I went up to this guy, and I said, he said, how much do you want an hour to, to pour concrete? And I said, I'll tell you what. I'll work for you for one week. You determine how much you want to pay me per hour. Now, it's pretty risky. And all, everything was in his court. But you see, I'd always operated the idea that if you'll work really, really hard in the first 30 days, if you'll go way beyond what's expected of you, if you'll show up early, if you'll be diligent, if you'll give them everything you've got and then some, you will set the mindset in the boss of who you are as a person. Then you can start leveling out to normal. I don't say subnormal, I said normal. And so at the end of the week, he said, you know what, you're a pretty good worker, and he offered to pay me, and it was about two times what I would have asked for. You see, whoever you're working for, they want to pay you more. If they financially can, they will, if you are diligent and you're bringing value to the company. Hello? You believe this? Not my cheap old boss, not him. Okay, work and success. Okay, the next thing is relationships. Do you realize that most people are pouring more into the relationship? Now, I'm not talking about marriage here. I'm just talking about relationships in general. But they're, the, you're pouring so much in, you're pouring in more than the other person is pouring in. In fact, you're not even sure they care about the relationship. You see, if you're working too hard on that relationship, you need to get out of that relationship. Hello? People think, well, you know, I, I just think if I just keep giving and giving and giving and I just keep being a floor mat and, 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 just, and just paying for everything, then they'll come around. No, they won't. You need to give them the blessed, the blessed gift of goodbye. Goodbye. How many of you think I might be right on this one? Raise your hand. I just want to say, I think you might be right on this. But what happens is we think we're giving, 
we're giving, we're putting all this effort in and nothing's coming back. No, this has got to be reciprocal in relationship. Okay, next area is personal life. In your personal life, what are you doing to demonstrate that you have five talents? How are you ordering your life? Go back to that daily routine. Your daily routine is gonna reveal a lot about what's important in your life. Do you have an aim to say, in my personal life, I'm gonna hit this because it's important, because it's called self-management. If you learn how to manage yourself, no one will ever have to manage you. Learn how to manage yourself. Learn how to get up, work hard, and set a goal. Have, have your boss, if you're, if you're, or if you're, an, if you're an employer, have your boss come to you and go, you know what? I can't believe how much you give to this organization. I can't believe how hard you work. I'm gonna tell you, I can't afford a raise right now, but you're gonna be the first person that gets a raise in this organization, and what I can do right now is I can give you some time off. I can, I, I can give you a pat on the back. What can I do to make this work for you? If you have a boss that sees all your hard work and all your diligence and is not doing that, you have to re-examine whether you should work there. This works both ways. A good, hard-working person is hard to find. Loyalty, dedication, those things are hard to find. Know that you have worth. Okay, let's go to the law of recognition. I love this one. Matthew 25 uh, after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them, and it says that he who received the five talents brought another five talents, and look what happened. I have gained five more talents besides them. The Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I'd like to hear that from God. I'd like to wake up every morning and go, well done. You did the best you could with what you had. That's all he's really saying. Do the best you can with what you have. Well done. Good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. Isn't it interesting that the master called $3 million a few things? Remember, this is a parable about the kingdom of heaven. In the kingdom of heaven, this is nothing. When you've got, when your asphalt is streets of gold, this is nothing. All right? So he said, you know, you've been faithful over a few things, okay? I'm gonna make you master or ruler over many. It doesn't even tell us what that is. That's not this. He's already, he's already gonna give this to him. We'll see it later in the parable. You're gonna get this as a gift, but that's, not even, that's just the beginning. He says, I'm gonna make you ruler over many things. We don't even know what they are. And then he says something that I think is really powerful. Now enter into the joy of your Lord, of your master. I wonder what that means. I wonder what the joy of being God is. It's looking at life and going, you know what? Everything is good. I'm not upset by a crisis. I'm entering into the joy of the Lord. I have an ever-expanding opportunity in my life. That's what God's saying. Enter into the joy. The guy with two, same exact thing. He says the same thing. You've gained two more. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Wow. Then, can you say then? 
He who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you, you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered, and I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look what you have, it's yours. And everybody said, boo, let's try it again. Boo, you wasted what you had in life. Let's go back and look at this guy. Let's look at what he said. First thing he said was, he said, I know you to be a hard man. So he said, God, I don't trust you. God, you're unfair with me. God, you're mean to me. God, you were nice to that guy, not nice to me. God, you only gave me one talent, you gave him five. I don't like that, God. You're a hard man. Remember, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. So he says, you're a hard man. And then he says something else. Reaping where you have not sown. See, he didn't understand the way the kingdom of God works. Kingdom of God works like this. It's the law of the harvest. What I sow, I reap. I always reap what I sow, more than I sow, and later than I sow, but I cannot reap unless I sow. He didn't understand the kingdom. He's a person that said, just give me, give me, give me, but I'm not giving, giving, giving. And then he said, and you've scattered, uh, and then he goes on and says, and gathering where you have not scattered seed. Impossible. You cannot gather a harvest where there is no seed. He did not understand the nature of the character of God. And then, to cap it off, he said, and I was afraid. So instead of living in this love relationship with God, he lived in this weird fear relationship where he tried to avoid God, and whenever things didn't work out, he, he got mad at God. I was afraid, so what did I do? I hid your talent in the ground. Now, we don't read the rest of the story here, but I'll tell you what the story is. God says, you know what? You're a wicked servant. So he said, take the one from him, Give it to this guy, so 10 becomes 11. So it doesn't seem fair. Why didn't they split it with the other guy? Are you ready? God is not a socialist. He goes on to say, to whom much is given, much more will be given. If you show yourself responsible, God won't just increase you. He will super increase you in your life. That's the parable. That's what the parable's all about here. So let me sum it up with a couple of things. You can only excel in the areas that you recognize as talent. If you can recognize in your life, let's say that you're a teacher. If you will recognize in your life, I am a good teacher, you will excel in that area because you'll begin to see yourself as a good teacher. You say, well, I, I'm, a, I'm a good salesman. You start to recognize that talent in you, you'll become a better salesman. I'm a good mother, then you will excel as being a good mother. But you cannot, if you don't recognize a talent in you, you will never excel in that. You see, anything uncelebrated becomes unrewarded. Have you celebrated lately who you are and what you have? When you begin to celebrate it, guess what? You're gonna get rewarded. I want you to celebrate what's going on here. I want to celebrate. You know, I, I was sitting up here and I was watching worship and I, I was watching the musicians and the worship leaders, and I go, you know what? I want to go tell every one of them, and I don't have to because I'm doing it publicly, every one of them, thank you so much. I watched what you did. You were engaging, and you were loving God, and you made my worship experience better. And guess what? If you hear that and you're a worship leader, what do you want to do? You want to be a worse worship leader or better? How about somebody walks up to you and actually knows your name? 
You ever watch people and they don't think you know their name? Just go up, hey, and just call their name out. It's like their whole face changes. Sometimes they'll say, I said this to somebody a couple weeks ago. I said, he said, I didn't know you knew my name. It was in the first service. I said, I've known your name for five years. Just because I never said it doesn't mean I don't know it. Now, I know some of you are going to come up and go, what's my name? Do not do that. Do not do that. If you can spell my name backwards, I'll know your name. Okay, so, but you think about just recognition is, is life-changing, isn't it? A good job. You, you never excel by criticism. Man, I can't believe you messed it up. It's so good. You never could do this. You know, I don't want to work here anymore. Wow, great job. I had a good friend in, uh, years ago, and I went up to him, and I said, how are you doing? And he always had exactly the same response, outstanding and getting better. And he had this big smile on his face, but I knew his life, and his life was anything but outstanding and getting better. But you know what he did? He never carried that into his life. And you know what? I think he actually had joy. Somehow he was able to take and just silo all that stuff because he wanted to live a life of outstanding and getting better. If you've ever met someone who's never outstanding and never getting better, you know, you don't, you, there are people you just don't ask anymore, how you doing? Right? I don't want to be that guy. Do you? How you doing? Oh, man. It's and, then, and then they... It's like plugging in at a 220 and they're pulling all the power out of you. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, let's pray right now. Quick. Hey, just because that's the way you are, doesn't that, mean, that doesn't mean that's the way you have to be. Everybody can grow as human being. Everybody can be better. Amen? We can all advance. We can go to the next level. And God wants us to go to the next level. Here's another thought. Recognition can turn failure into success. Nobody starts a job knowing what they're doing. But if you've been in your job very long and you don't, something wrong, amen? Recognition, hey, good job. Really, you think so? Absolutely, I think so. I want to work harder. Have you heard recently God saying, well done? Sometimes he whispers it and sometimes he shouts it. Sometimes it's daily, sometimes it's weekly. But if you listen carefully, and you look at your life, go, you know, God, you're going to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. You know what that motivates you to do? More. More for the Lord. Amen. I want to hear that. I want to hear God say that. I want to be in that. I want to be that twenty percent that makes eighty percent of the difference in in an organization, in my life, and my people around me. I want to be that. Don't you? All of us do. Let's stand together and and uh, I just want to pray over you, and then we're going to uh, to sing this song together. Father, I just pray that all the talent that is in this room will just find its way to the surface come out of the ground. Any, anybody that's hiding talent, God, just let it come out of the ground. Let it, let it just enrich everyone around them. I pray, Father, for just an unbelievable momentum in our personal lives. 
that's going to bring us to the fruition of what God wants us to be. And right now, if you'll just take and say, God, I give you my talent. I give you my talent. I offer before you, God, that it might be multiplied, that it might be enriched, that you might be a, that I might be a blessing to others. And God, just, I receive it in Jesus' name. If you receive it, just say, I receive it. Amen. I receive it. Let's sing together.